Okay, so we're on the. Um, so last time, let's 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 put us in broad, in broad in broad perspective. They start the way Ravavadya sets it up. There is a toast that says that even though there's a Mishnah which says you can't that you shouldn't, Ravavadya says you're not allowed to redeem captives above their market value. There's a toast and Gittin and Chesim and Aleph which says except if the captives are at threat of their lives. Okay, that's right. That's the to- that's the to- that's the Tosas and Gittin. Uh, Ravadia said the Ramban asked a knockout question on this. The Gemara in Baba Basra that we started with, which teaches us Gadol Mitzvah Pidyon Shuvim, the Ramban gets all his rhetoric from, says that what's great about Pidyon Shuvim is that Shevi has all the other terrible things in the in the pasuk and Yirmiyah in it, including death. So how can you say that the that Pidyon Shuvim is different when it involves Risk of death. Pidyon Shuvim always involves risk of death, or it's not such a great mitzvah. But Ravadi said that was a knockout question, even though he thinks Tosfos clearly poskins that um, the risk of death is enough. Uh, and the Piske Tosfos poskins that way. That's just, right. He, it's a knockout question. But Ravadi, you know, um, right, finds a Meiri who, who resolves it by saying, you know, there is risk of death, and there's risk of death. <laughs> And ordinary period should involve the risk of death, but this is not the risk of death. <laughs> That's a different story, right? That's essentially Miri's answer. Um, but Ravadia is happy with it, and he says, "Now that Miri has resolved everything, now we can go back to Pasquin like Tosfos." Okay, that's where Ravadia sets it up. Uh, then he quotes the Maharshal. All right, the Maharshal goes a step further. The Maharshal says in the, um, that, not in fact. The way the community has paskin is in practice is that we paskin that you always redeem Jewish captives, Yosir Mikidei Demehem, because we are such a small, impoverished community that we just can't afford to lose anybody. So we have to, right? And you know, and we are generous people, so we redeem, right? So we, so so we, so we're not worried about going broke. And so Marshall claims that that's the the common practice among. All among the Jewish community for the past several hundred years has been that we redeem captives regardless. Where is he right? is in Krakow, in the in Poland, in Poland, in the uh, I don't know if it's after Krakow, but he's in Poland. He's in Poland in the 16th century, uh, where he's a contemporary of the Roman. So even though it might entice more, yeah, he just ignores all the policy considerations or claims that they're different nowadays because now that we're impoverished, that's right. Now they're impoverished, right? We you know now that we're so few and scattered, we can't risk not doing it. Is that a good policy argument? No, it's not a good policy argument at all. Um, but that's what he says, right? Um, at the end of the day, the, uh, however, the, the uh, Marshal says, hang on a sec, but there's a famous story, the story of the mayor of Rothenburg who refused to allow himself to be redeemed. And he refused to allow himself to be redeemed even though Tosus has a second terrorist that he paskins like, which is that we redeem great Talmud Chachamim above their value, or at least potential great Talmud Chachamim above their value, Kalva Homer. So the um, Marshall says the only explanation I have for the Marami Rotenberg, who was not even allowed to act, you can't say the Marami Rotenberg was acting um, about, be, beyond the letter of the law because he shouldn't have been allowed to refuse uh, redemption because Torah depended on him. So it would be false modesty, right, for him to deny redemption. So it must be that Maram knew that if, if he were redeemed above his value, then that would, that would lead to a strategy of imprisoning all the great rabbinic leaders, and there would not be enough money to redeem all of them, and then Torah would end in Israel. So the Maram knew that his particular redemption above market value 
would be a uh, would would be a terrible policy decision. Even though, in general, redeeming Torah scholars above, or even potential Torah scholars above their Torah val their value, is excellent policy. How much does the above their value qualify or matter in these discussions? Well, we don't know what, how value is established right. in the slightest, right? Remember, we have to pull all this back to right to releasing to releasing you know terrorists, mm -hmm. uh, rather, right? But for now, we're, we're right. We're just working on the assumption that it's a generic category above the above their value because. The concern, the way Ravadia set up, the major concern is that it will happen more, not that it will bankrupt the community. So, right, it's just we don't want to create an economic incentive to capture Jews. Oh. Well, that may or may not, not make sense, phrased that way. So, I, it could be that my fair market value, my hope is high, <laughs> right? It could. So there, so you, there can be lots of incentives. Incentives. If uh, a great rabbi is redeemed to set his market value, this is an utterly incoherent argument. I, I'll play, this okay. is an utterly incoherent <laughs> argument. It, has been, it makes no. It, right, and that's why you'll find many. Contempt, you know, I think you'll find most of the shirim that have been given about this in the past you know, four months, whatever, will say that this is that this is just a rebellion of the populace against what is obviously the law. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially the way Mar the Marshal says it, right? We're generous people, and he tries to, right, to you know, to make it square, but it doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, and I think that's that, that's really the only way you can understand it. There's not a there's not a coherent policy you can, mm -hmm. I, unless you claim that you think the you know that you think the original policy was falsified. And it turns out that people don't do this, but they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they do. It's not a. Uh, you could argue that. The at some point, the collapse of an active slave market would have meant that it was no longer a directly meaningful category. But this is going on when there are still active slave markets. Mm -hmm. The Marshal is talking specifically about the Jewish practice of redeeming captives from the Ottoman Empire, mm -hmm. uh, right from Tur right from Turkey. Um, so there is an active slave market. So I, I don't think that there is any way at all to claim that the Marshal's position. Is coherent as a matter, as a matter of policy. Uh, I do think that there was a way of making Tosfuk coherent as a matter of policy to say that death is different. But I, as I argued earlier, that that would mean you have to downgrade the general policy of redeeming captives. Right? You have to set up the really three categories. There are captive, there there are captives who are only captives and with no risk really to their lives. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, that's what the mayor of Rothenburg was. Right? He was a captive for ransom. Mm -hmm. And captives for ransom are not killed. They're not even sold into slavery. Except in extreme circumstances, they're held in prison. Okay, now, being in prison per se is a risk. It's an unhealthy condition. Mm -hmm. right? But it's not at risk. You know, but it, you know, I mean, you know, I guess in the Soviet Union, it's a risk of being killed with some regularity, <laughs> right? Or in various places in the United States, if you happen to be a Boston mobster. <laughs> but, um, right. Prison, prison is always dangerous, right? Prison is dangerous, but life is dangerous. Prison is not, you know, prison is not per se. Yeah, you have to say, look, you know, I think that there are, there are, right, there are captives for ransom and there are captives with intent to be sold into slavery. And then, you know, you, know, you never know what they'll do in order to raise the market, right? Because they want more than the slave price, right? Otherwise, why would they sell it to you? Right? They're only going to get the market price from you. You only gain a little bit from them, right? So they want to raise the market price, but you know it might be an economic. They'll figure out the killing issue. Um, right? It depends what you know. Depends on you know on how expensive slaves are, 
And, uh, you know, we know sadly from the, from the African slave trade in the United States that as valuable as slaves were, it doesn't seem to have been, you know, worth so much to keep them alive on the crossing. Right, which is an astonishing economic thing, and it's, but seems to be true. Um, right, you know, at least that's not the way people made the calculation. So you can see, right, that sort of captivity, right, would certainly be, you know, would certainly raise it to the level of having psychosis and flesh as part of it for sure. Uh, aside from the question, which I don't quite understand, like the risk, you know, I think the risk of being sold into slavery. Is, so you could argue that being sold into slavery is a terrible thing. And that saving people from slavery, because we buy people back from non-Jewish slavery, is one of the things we do, right, per se. So that, that is, you know, like why that's a, not its own category is, is a holish one its own. And then there are people who are being held because we'll kill you if you don't ransom, right? That's really some kind of discussion. That does just make sense. It's just that it, it, um, it, it, you can't really have that and have pity on Shavuim as, as a single category always being the greatest of all mitzvot. So Mary says it's not. Mm-hmm. But it's good for fundraising campaigns to say that it is. <laughs> Right? That's, uh, and it's still a big, it's still an important mitzvah. Uh, you know, but, you know, doesn't really give the Miri that, but I think that, I think you have to say that. Okay. Um, so where we are, right? So we have, so you have the, you, you have the marshal who is a testimony that that is the practice. Um, right. Even though he doesn't have a terribly coherent account of it, as against him, you have the, you have the, you have the story of the, uh, the story of the Maram. Which carries, you know, evidentiary weight that it wasn't always the practice. The marshal, right? So we can say, look, it wasn't the practice then, but it is the practice now. Okay, right? You know, yeah, it's four hundred years between them. Three to three, four hundred years between them. But you know, the moral force of the marshal is undercut by the maram by the maram story. And then we have the rishonim, where I think you have the choice you have to make. Okay, but what if we had a evidence that the marshal was wrong empirically? Marshall was stating an aspirational truth and not an actual truth. He thought people should redeem, or what if the practice has changed between his time and our time? Mm-hmm. So Ravadya concedes there being one famous truva which says that you are not supposed to redeem captives, even if they are at risk or will definitely be killed at all, right, at above their market value. That is a truva of Rameer Wolf, uh, son of Gedalia. Uh, of Lublin, the, known as the Maram Lublin, born in 1558. Um, so I gave you a starting on uh, whatever page 10. I think there's uh, it may be the second line of yours, or maybe the first line. After it. Uh, yeah, it's first line. But I printed it out before I, I blew the page. All <laughs> uh, right. So I gave you his biography first from the uh, from the um, from the Barilan website. He's born in 1558. He, right, he's, he, right, he learns he learns in Warsaw. And get right, becomes the son-in-law of the rabbi of Warsaw because he's impressive. In 1582, he sets up his own yeshiva in Lublin. In 1587, when his father-in-law values, he, right, he becomes the rabbi of Krakow. His father-in-law has moved on from Warsaw, and he comes to Rosh Hashiva. Every right, 1595, he is the rabbi of Lvov, and he goes there until 1613. And in 1613, he gets involved in a major controversy, and he has to leave. Uh, the controversy in 1613, which I gave you the next paragraph, was when there was a get given. Um, because uh, right, uh, there was a 16-year-old boy who was married to a woman they called Batsheva, which I'm assuming she was seven, um, and he's sick, and uh, there, there's a chashash of chalitza, so they have him, uh, they have him write her a get, and then make a separate promise to remarry her. Um, oral, but right, but 
they do it in a way which is disconnected from the get, so that um, right, so that if he right, therefore if he refuses to remarry her afterwards, even if he recovers from the illness, the get should still be valid. And the right, and the rabbis of the city approve this, right? She has the get, so that if he dies, right? If, right, so if he right, so if he, um, so if he dies, there's no chalitza, and she's protected, so he's obligated to remarry her. And if for some reason he reneges, he reneges. It doesn't mean that she's still married. Now she's in a guna because she's married to somebody who doesn't want to marry her. Get all that he dies. The get is all tonight that he dies. Yeah, right. but not all tonight that he remarries her. Mm-hmm. And the other rabbis approve this, and uh, and the Rambam Lublin says, no, I I treat this as a get on right as a get on condition that he promised to remarry her, and if he reneges the promise to remarry her, she's still married to him. And this causes a whole huge controversy. He has to leave. Now I don't know at what point when this this truva is not dated, and I have uh, done a bad job, and that I have not asked Ellie Fisher yet uh, if he can date the truva. So I don't know whether this is before or after that controversy. Um, but you can see that he's like he's a person who's capable, you know, he's a, capable of holding his own and holding idiosyncratic positions, and that you have to, uh, you know, that seems to be the truth. Look, it could always be that this is the one idiosyncratic position he took in his life. Right? There are. Poskim, you know, even our day, on Aguna issues specifically, uh, Aguna issues, you know, are the put. Usually, the idiosyncratic position is the Mekil position, but sometimes the idiosyncratic position is the Mahmir position. So it could be that that's just, you know, that it, that's just a position that challenges integrity too much, and the rest of his life he was a go along with it person <laughs> and did everything. But it's possible, at least, that we're dealing with a genuinely independent mind. Okay, here's the case. Right. So this is Shut Maram Lublin Simon Tedfo. Right, so the letter, right, so he says the letter comes from all the people of the great town of Apt. Um, where he was reading it, and we'll start the line number three is Alasher Nidrashti Al Devar Hanar Hanispas Biyati Ishmaeli. Right, you've, you've, you've asked me about this, right, this, this young lad who has been um, captured or imprisoned, right, he's really, he's imprisoned, right, by, uh, in, uh, in uh, Muslim hands. Shatu'anu Alav Shanitpas Imazona Hishmaelit. They claim that he was caught with a Muslim prostitute. And they wish to sentence him for this crime of sleeping with a Muslim woman, I guess. Uh, uh, or a Muslim prostitute. I don't, you know, I don't know what the laws are in that case. And it's not entirely clear throughout the Shiva exactly what the laws are. But for, some, right, they, for, this, for this crime, uh, right, they, are, right, they are threatening to either kill him execute him or to um, or to force him to convert so they have to bribe the right bribe the government to allow him to go free uh, to avoid execution so already we have a, it's a slightly it's it's not the paradigmatic capturing someone for ransom story no this is a straightforward case they're going to kill him right Right, and it happens. It happens to be you can bribe your way out of it. Yeah, yeah. This is a straightforward case. Right, it may, may not matter in terms of what we're talking about, but whether their intent was to do this or to take advantage of this. Good. Right. So we don't know. Right. That's why it depends what the law is. We don't know if they're doing this because they, because they want the bribe, or they, right, or they're do, or they're doing this because they want to kill him and they're but they're bribable. Right. So at, at least at this point, in the way the question is framed, we don't know which one which one of those it is, mm-hmm. and maybe that would change it, and maybe that would, because mm-hmm. um, you can say, look, you know, if if there may not even be a, a unified we, 
That's right. Head, right. There may be a court that wants to kill him. And a, and a prison warden who's bribable to let him escape. Get him out. Yeah. yeah. And now if, if they really just want to kill him, and right, so then, right, so then you don't have to worry they're going to do it again because it's just the functioning of a judicial system, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, right, that's enough kimina, right? Whereas, if the if the goal is bribery, so then of course there's a risk that everyone else will get, right? They'll they'll find someone else to do it if you free him. Okay, so he's actually right. So, so does the community have an obligation to redeem him out of pity and for him? Oh, din mumer achas or maybe he is the kind of person whom we have no obligation to redeem because he is right. He is considered to be a you know a uh, well. Mumer is like it's going to beg the question to translate it. Uh, somebody who has this, the the status of a scofflaw, let's say, mm-hmm. with regard to one law that being presumably the law about sleeping with non-Jews, because that's the only thing we know about him is that he slept with, right so that he slept with a non-Jewish prostitute. Or I mean, it says Zona, right? It could also be an adulteress. But I think it probably means a prostitute. Uh, even if he does it, right, for pleasure and not for, right, he's not doing it to spite God. But there, the assumption of the question is that such a mumar is one, one has no obligation to redeem, and maybe he fits in that category. The ode. And furthermore, he is, right, he has, right, he's contributorily negligent. Because he should have known. That engaging in this activity, uh, right, that engaging in this activity would put him at risk of death. Well, do you think they should have known, or that it's different than a typical case of, well, not typical, but the, you know, what, what, the, the, what seems to be the false case of kidnapping, which is where uh, someone, you know, someone's going about their business, right, and then this evil force comes. No, so Masara Tzmo, right? Masara Tzmo Lamisa, right? Yeah. Is like is like answering to when somebody gives you hatra, and you say yes, you know, I, I know this, not, right? I, I know that I have to carry the death penalty, nonetheless. I I'm, I'm doing it in spite of that. Right. So Masara Tzmo means he knew the risk he was taking, uh-huh. right? So if people take their own, right, people take extravagant risks. We shouldn't have to. Um, we should we shouldn't have to. Uh, we shouldn't have to do that. Okay. Im um, lifto. So and if you're going to tell us that we have an obligation to redeem him. Does that mean even above his value? What would that mean anyway? <laughs> okay, that's the that's the substance of the question, um, meaning that he's not claiming that this is the system of verb, but this is a, this right. This is the uh, the original language, but he summarized the question for right. He summarized the question presented to him. Okay, but it, this is all from Ravadia, say? No, this is all. This is Ravadia quotes this truva, but we're doing it inside, and then we'll go back and see what how, what Ravadia does with the truva. This is this is the epistem of verb of the Maram Lublin. Okay, just he's not quoting the right the, the question of the word that um, the uh, the the words that he's not quoting. Okay, truva. So here's so here's his. So after after the proper plagogias go down three lines, truva. Devar pashudhu lefi segiata dishmaitin the perakashaleach. Right, so it's obvious according to our sugya in right, in the fourth parak of Gittin, on the mission of somebody of somebody who sells himself to a non-Jew, the answer is that um, that we redeem him the first time, but not the second or third time, right? And we redeem the children even the second and third time. Right, that this that this boy has right, there's a mitzvah to redeem this boy. Um, 
And don't tell me they don't have to redeem people who are contributorily negligent, right? Who, right, who sin against themselves. Because look, the case of selling yourself to a non-Jew, what could be greater than that? You sold yourself to a non-Jew and we still have to redeem you the first time. Right? Even the second time, right? He doesn't redeem you the third time. Right? So how could... Oh, the, for a second time, you did the survey, right? Yeah, right? So, right? so, right? So the first time you sold yourself to a non-Jew, the second time, right? We redeem you. We just don't let you do. Keep on doing it. But the first time, even though you sold yourself to a non-Jew, right? So you're... Which we saw like, is a deliberate tactic to get the community to pay, right to right to uh, to pay off your debts. You sold yourself to a non-Jew to pay off your debts. We still redeem you. So obviously, contributory negligence or even deliberate negligence, right? Uh, in the end of the day, if a Jew is in the hands of a non-Jew, we redeem you. So don't tell me, right? Don't tell don't, don't tell me that. And he says, if you skip down a couple more lines, he says, all right, um, right, and that's true, right? Even without trying to kill you, right? Just so you know, Jew Right, so we had the story of the guy who sells himself to a tribe that at least you know the uh, Rishonim seemed to think is a tribe of cannibals, and Ravami thought that he was going to redeem the guy uh, until he was told that he was a bit, that, right that he habitually did this. So sell yourself to cannibals, right? You put yourself at risk. <laughs> right, so right, so this right, so this um, so this argument is. Um, Right. So this is right. So that, that argument he thinks fails. That that argument fails. In, that argument fails entirely. Right. That uh, contributory negligence is not a reason not to redeem somebody. Um, okay. He says now. What about the argument of mumer of mumer So there we could go back to Rabbi Ami and say how is this different than that case? Um, so but we can get out of that and say the um, and. Um, and say that Rami was acting the Mishra Sadin, but he thinks that argument that, that argument fails entirely also, and he thinks at the end of the day, uh, right, the key line is three lines from the bottom, right? He says, Imtims um Solomar, even if he were to say. Um that the non-Jews are uh, right, are that the non-Jews claim against him is true. The Avaraveras when he really did this sin. You can't call him over because he sinned once. Nobody's provided any evidence that this kid does this simultaneously frequently. He did it once. What, what are you talking about? And secondly, he didn't do it publicly. Right? He, right, he, right, right, he had an affair. The claim that somebody is a mumor, because you have an affair. Now, we should be clear, right? We should be very tricky because I don't know that he only slept with a woman once. But he fell with one woman. I think that's probably right. I think it's probably a little bit of a, of a, of a sneaky thing here. There's no evidence they caught him the first time. Um, but okay, right? So this is, right, this is clearly not a mummer. And Tosfus says explicitly, uh, right, he tells you, right, it, it, uh, it, right, Tosfus tells you explicitly in the context of Shechita. So we turn to page 12 now, right? Top of page 12. He says, Kasva Tosfus Sham in the context of Shechita. Tema. Uh, sorry, 11. You're, you're, you're page 11, right? Tema. Even Mazid. No, like even right, if, if you violate a sin privately, even Shabbos, you violate Shabbos privately, that doesn't make you a mummer. So two reasons, right? You're not a mummer if you do it privately, and you're not a mummer if you do it once. So don't tell me that you don't have to redeem this kid because he's a mummer. Um, right? That's just not true. And you're going to tell me, he says, if the person wants to be really obstinate, 
You want to tell me, oh, for Shechita, he's not a mummer, but for Peter and Shvuim, he's a mummer. Come on. <laughs> right? That's ridiculous. Uh, right? He says, I can prove it to you. I can prove it to you that the, that the Marik says this in one case. Right? Look at the line of the Kalvachomer. He says, The Kalvachomer, Easter Habal Nachria Ba'atzpa. I'm going to, right? Sleeping with non Jewish, Eina Mitzvah Mitzvah Satora, that's not even Dioraisa. Not only Divrei Kabbalah, it's either from the Vim or Midrabanan, or it's a, even a Dirabanan. Right? There's a Gemara that says that sleeping with an Anjou, not in public, so you don't generate the Pinchas thing. It's only it's only And Okay, this is a little bit um, of a secret thing nowadays because we don't like saying that intermarriage is only Dirabanan. But Yadu um, that the Tosafist Baskin. Then people think that it's Yeraita. Like yeah, people assume it's Yerik right? We talk about you know talk about Pinchas and things like that, but. The bottom line is that uh, all the Ashkenazi Rishonim, at least, Baskin, that sleeping with a non-Jewish woman, for a, man to, for a Jewish man to sleep with a non-Jewish woman is only um, the only Nisr Drabanan. What's, what's the Yisr in Devarim where it says, you know, you, your daughter, you, you, she will lead your... Uh... Yeah, so we have a right, so, that, so we learned that as... Isn't that, doesn't that say that's the erasure stuff? So we learned that, we learned that about... Um, as, as you know, for talking about non, that it's not a prohibition as a, but a, a statement of what will happen, right? That your child will follow the child will follow the mother. Kiyasir, really? yeah. So that's not an outright law there, or it only applies to, or it only applies to the uh, to the shivamim and not to the. Right, that's all. That's all. Several right. right so, Halacha, because I'll talk about this, right? This is, but this is one of the, like the, you know, Halacha Vayim Morin King. We don't usually talk about that sleeping with non-Jews is probably only Drabadan. And, the, you know, this is, in a sense, this is kind of a version of the uh, the famous Luchenstein uh, Ramitel dialogue, possibly, epi- uh, possibly um, apocryphal. If you're in a boat and you have a choice between, you know, right, you're, you're, you're starving in a boat, and in the boat you have your dead neighbor and you're, and you're un- right, and you're unshechted, and you're unshechted dead cow. Which do you eat? Well, eating an avela is the aresa, and eating even being the only drabanan according to some positions. So, which do you eat? <laughs> right, so, I think the famous answer is that Rulofstein uh, says you would eat the cow and feel guilty, and Rabbi Tal says you would eat the cow and not feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you can either, like, you know. It might be that the degree of Isur is not really the determinant of the seriousness of the Isur. I, I know that uh, that there are people, um, Rochelle Bachko, right, tries to argue very strongly. Svartim generally try to argue that there really is a there really is a correspondence between the formal degree of prohibition and the seriousness of the prohibition, and maybe Ashkenazim not as much. Maybe yeah, that's a wild generalization. But be as it may, right? In in this true, the Bramley Blin is saying, like, you want to you want to throw this cat the community and save no obligation or demon because he slept with a non-Jewish woman once. Come on, a it was it wasn't public. B it was once, and C it's only drama. Is, is there is there a chazal that says a mumer if a mumer like you can't push him in, but if he falls in, you, you don't. Yeah, that's a mumer. That's a mumer lahachis. He's doing it to spite God. Uh-huh. Not right. a mumer lateiba. Not a mumer lateiba. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. It's, you get the impression that the um, that the Maram Lublin isn't so happy with the question. 
Yeah, like imis akesh hamis akesh. The person is really opposite to say, "Oh no, shchit is different." Like, why would you do that? Why do you want to redeem him? Right? They don't want to redeem him. And he, right now, the reason they don't want to redeem him might be not because they're worried about the money. It might be because they are putting themselves in bad odor with the government. But right by right, it looks like they don't take the crime as seriously as the government does. Right, that happens in the U.S. Also, right? that's a big debate among communities where. Uh, right, depending on how legitimate you think the government is in doing this, right? If you really think that the government should be criminalizing this, they don't really want to get somebody out just because they're overcharging him, uh, right? This was to some extent a conversa- the conversation about the Rubashkin case, right? If you agree that he was being overcharged, that, that the government was overcharging him, even if you think he was guilty, right? So that, right, that's but you you don't want to claim that you think that whatever labor labor law violations are trivial and therefore right and, and therefore put you know, enormous efforts into um, we won't say bribing. Uh, people right, you know, putting enormous defense funds and you know, and then arranging for payments to to uh, right, to to people close to a highly transactional president. Whatever you want to say, um, and that's you know, again, so that, that 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 the issue you can you know, you can it depends obviously it depends on the issue what the right and wrong of it is, but that's that, right, that's an eternal issue. And it doesn't have to do with it doesn't have to do with stinginess. It has to do with what how you how you see this as it with risking your social standing for somebody you don't really see as somebody you have to risk that with. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in the in the Wayu community, there's a counter story that everybody loves because the Rav tells it about uh, Rav Chaim uh, at one point uh, insisting that on Shabbos everybody go home and bring in money to redeem a, a, a member, a, you know, a socialist kid who had been. Uh, right, who had been in prison, um, right? So there's like there's a great counter story, like you know, the way that Pinochet William does, you know, is irrelevant in terms of ideological issues and things like that, and how he squares that with all the Gemaras, you know, that's a whole separate issue. But yeah, the counter counter story is part of the halachic man that whole, right, that whole the whole the whole um, portrait of a chayin. Okay, so he says uvifrat bismanenuze, but when usein harabim, but usein harabim. We can't even call them Rumelateva nowadays because you know what? Too many people do it. And too many people do something you just can't call them Rumer at all. They're just sinners. Right? In the same way that Chil Shabbos, right? We stop treating Chil Shabbos as a unique thing in terms of making somebody a Mumer um, because too many people are being Machal Shabbos. So you can't do that, right? And, you know, this is where right, Malcolm Gladwell right, talks about the tipping point. Uh, right, and there's always going to be a, a crucial fight at some point when you're near the tipping point, right? You know, this is the moment we have to make our stand, or it's too late, right? We, it's too late. You're being utterly unrealistic. You're just going to drive people away. You want to bring back in the community, and he says, "Look, you think you're going to make right? You, you think you're making a stand against sleeping with non-Jewish women, right? No, <laughs> right? You're not, you're just being hypocrites." Okay, um, fine. He says. Um, Right, he says, um, even if you think this might not be the first time that he right, that he did this, right? He, he has no he has no uh, good reputation on this matter. The even if we say that he's guilty, he did it to him. Right? He did. He right, He took. He he accepted the risk upon himself. He should have known it. Right? We can still we can right we can. Um, we can still find a case because he so he finds a case that goes Mordechai, which says that people who several times risk their right, risk um, risk um, risk their lives, and nonetheless we still redeem them. So in the end of the day, 
he thinks this is just a um, this is just a terrible argument. Okay, we redeem people nowadays, right? We nowadays even right. Even if, even, if it, even if he had a terrible reputation, even if he was responsible because he should have known the consequences, we would still redeem him. Okay, so let's skip down to so, so now, we, But now we get the reality. So we skip down several lines. He says, the Chol Shekane Sh'ed Edimel Hanar. And certainly now there's, there's, there no, there's no testimony, so maybe the accusation is false. And we don't trust the government. Right? People make up lies about Jews. That's right. Generally, right, we don't trust the non-Jews, and nowadays we certainly don't trust the Jews. For all these reasons, it's pretty clear that you can't get out of redeeming him. Okay, that's fine. You can't get redeemed, but that's not our issue. Now, right, and it clear, and even where you, when you see what, right, what's going to make his next move important is. If we thought that he was sympathetic to them, he was trying to get them out. So then, okay, he would say, okay, you, you don't even maybe you don't even have to redeem him, and certainly don't have to redeem him of his market value. But he says, he says, no, you certainly have to redeem him. Don't even try it, right? Don't even try it, right? Don't even try to get out of it. But he says, uh, however, his nearly pashut But it's obvious to me that we have no that you have no obligation to redeem him above his value. I have no idea where you even got the idea. They would be obligated to redeem somebody above the market value. Right, right. You don't have to redeem any captive, right? Why would this guy be different than any other captive? Right, because right, because here both reasons of the Gemara, both answers the Gemara gives as to why we why we made the decree you can't redeem captives above their value. They both apply. We're worried that we're going to impoverish the community because this could happen again. And it's because who knows how much they're advancing. They're going to do it again. Because if they redeem him at a great value, right? they're going to arrest every Jew in the country and claim that he was caught, right? he was caught, that he was caught sleeping with a non-Jewish woman. So if it's because they want to kill him, no posek ever said they have an obligation to redeem somebody above their value just because they're at risk of death. So that's an amazing line. Right? Raleigh right, right, he's after the marshal. There's a tosvas, which says explicitly that right that you're right that you're allowed right that you're right that you, that you have an obligation to redeem people in the marsh and the Arlene Blin says no Posek has ever said so no one knows what to do with this line I don't know what to do with this line I had a brainstorm about an hour ago and I said maybe the text of Tosfut in the edition of the Gemara that the Arlene Blin had is different than ours but no it's not <laughs> assuming he had the Venice edition now, I could, you know, transfer, there are multiple Venice editions, but I'm not aware of any major textual differences among the, among the Venice editions. Like, you know, it's, it's just orthographic things. And so I can't imagine that, you know, I mean, I can imagine, but I, there is a, there's a photo, there's a photo, there's a PDF of the Venice edition on Hebrew books. And I looked and it didn't solve this. I have no idea how he said this. You want to claim that he's a post, no posting, but it's Piscay Tosfos said it, it's not just Tosfos, right? So, so this is like, this is just a grave mystery. What does one do? With a perfectly competent doctrine, the Shuvas make it into the thing who claims that no posting ever said something which is an explicit dosphus.
Um, right? He just um, right. He just rejects it. Below cost, but he says nobody ever wrote Elishim Vakshin Largo. Nobody ever said, except that if you they're trying to kill him, then you redeem him as many times as possible. Right? That's the um, right. That's the that the right. That's all you prove. It doesn't say anything about redeeming 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 his uh, redeeming him above above value. And he says that's right. We can prove this because in the whole story of the right of the, of the people who sell themselves to non-Jews, right? Already it says, but you redeem his sons. Um, right, so that right, so that presumably is talking about at market value. So right, because why would they be better than any other captives? So he thinks that the it's obvious nobody ever right nobody ever nobody ever said this. What about the um, what about the story of Shulbin Chananya? Well, he's a Talmud Chacham. That's different, right? That's all right. And if if we're really worried about all children, then we should have said in that case we redeem the captive, right? We redeem the captives of right. We redeem the guy who sells his children into slavery because we're worried about them being right. Worried about children being right being being put into things like that. So, okay, right. So this point, right? He claims now here again. We have an issue is that. That's a really good reading of the Sukkot, right? We ask, like, the problem he has is Rabbi Shulbechananiah redeemed this kid in Rome. And we say, right, it tells us it gives two answers. A, because maybe they're going to kill him. And B, because he's a great Talmud Chacham. Well, the first answer makes no sense. They're not going to kill him more than any of the thousands of other Jews who are imprisoned in Rome. Right? They're not going to kill him any more than any of the thousands of Jews who are imprisoned in Rome. It makes no sense to say you pay him more than your value. So if I were just going from memory, right, just thinking logically, and I had to say to myself, right, with the, right, Tosfet, right, there are, Tosfet says that, Tosfet says that there are two, two things that distinguish cases of captives. One is, they're Tamil Chachamim, and the other is that they're at risk of death. It's obvious that the Tamil Chachamim applies to Rishul Bechani's case with the kid in Rome, right, who he pays extreme value for. And the risk of death is relevant to that case because they're all, everyone else in Rome, every other Jewish prisoner in Rome after the Chorban is at risk, as much at risk of death as that kid. And the answer about death is what, apply, is, is what we learn about the case of the guy who sells himself to the cannibals. And that says nothing about redeeming him above market value. So the Ramali, again, so the, the Ramali Lin makes perfect sense. But unfortunately, there's a Tosfus which, which says exactly what, what, right, exactly what he denies. Now, if I were engaged in a source-critical analysis of Tosfus, right, I might point out that if we looked at all the Tosfus together, we might see that, this, that this, we might Make a reasonable argument that the line about death was imported into a toast by accident from what right it's supposed to be answering the question about the, right about the guy who sells his hell to slavery and because they're just assembling answers to this type of question they accidentally put it into the toast about right the toast about uh, about Rosh Hashanah right that right if you ask me is that likely true historically yes that is likely true historically uh, but it's not true traditionally because the Piskei Tosfos quotes both answers. And right, the Tosfos on the page quotes both answers, and nobody else has said this yet. Uh, I have no text. So we're left with yet another case. But right, so we have the Marshal makes, right, who is utterly incoherent in his primary sources. And Ramadan Lublin, counter case, who is also utterly incoherent in his primary sources. <laughs> uh, okay, right, so now the, now, but now the um, Ramadan Lublin claims that he has Further proof from a medieval precedent. Okay, right. So, so, so now we're five lines to the bottom on um, page page eleven. It says the odiyesh the odiyesh mitshuvas rabbeinu Yaakov vial simen kuf memchet b'masa shel ishto v'nino shel right right of Rav 
So the story is there is a right there's a woman and the grand right, and the grandson of this guy who's who are captured in intent right for execution by somebody. Right, or right, they also wanted to right, to turn the to turn the uh, the uh, the child to right to Islam. And there's a character of David again, I don't you know the whole story, who pays a thousand gold uh, things for them. And at this point we're gonna assume that um we're gonna assume that a thousand gold things is above market value. The tunnel of Ram Ezra Nal, Shalemlo, Okay, so you have to set the story back further, right? So this, the relatives of this, of this rich dude, Rabbi Avram Ezra, are captured. And then another relative, Rabbi David, goes and actually pays to redeem them at the, right, at the instructions of this Rabbi Avram Ezra, who then claims, you overpaid, I don't have to pay you back. <laughs> okay, right, so that's the, right, so this Rabbi Avram Ezra is claiming that I had no obligation to redeem them above their market value. And therefore, since you agreed to pay a thousand zuvim, right, you pay the thousand zuvim. So is this basically this is coming as a financial shaila, right? So yes. This is coming as a financial shaila. The captives live happily ever after, right? They're free, but now the right the intermediary wants to come collect, right? Come collect the money he, he laid out, and he right. They go, says, "No, I only read. I sent you to, to negotiate the release, but only at market value." <laughs> right, this is about market value. What are you right? What are you doing? Okay, so the lohe now is the argument from silence. Lohe shivelav rabbi Yaakov and Ali store tanato lamarsh in a din cane. Ella shapodin itanul hariga filios mechde demand. So Rabbi Yaakov could have said nonsense. They were at risk of death. Of course you had to overpay. He didn't give that answer. El heishiv instead he answered. Right, so and what Rabbi Avram ben Ezra claims, we're on the top of page twelve, right? Rabbi Avram Ezra claims that you overpaid for more, you paid for them more than the market value and more than I have the capacity. You know, right? So it should be. It says let me pee. It said lobi piha, but it's, right, that's uh, that's because that's the the language of the Gemara. Really, is, here it should be lobi pihu. That's what I put in the above. Uh, we don't believe Rabbi 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 saying this. Shabbat Shabbat because he's denying something we all know. We all know he has the money, <laughs> right? So this is right. So this is ridiculous. Uh, okay, so so the um, right, so the um, right, so the um, so the, right, so Rami Lublin. Rabbi Lublin argues that the um, that the absence that the Marivile's failure to make this to make this argument you had to right, you had to you had to pay above market value means that that's not true. You don't have to pay above market value just because they're at risk. Now you could say what? No, not so much. You have a rich guy claimed t- claiming poverty when he when he sent the guy right. If you read the story, right, he sent the guy to negotiate. Uh, you know, he's just obviously he's right. He's 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 weaseling out on a deal, and you go and right, and you and you uh, right, and he shouldn't be allowed to do that. You know, and he doesn't want to even get into technical arguments. Okay, but Ram Lublin thinks this is a viable precedent. That is a possibility. So I think the woman in prison is actually Ram Ezra's wife. So maybe it's only because it's his wife he has to do it. Right? We've seen that already. No, don't think about that either. Right? He thinks that it's he thinks that there's no special obligation uh, above wives. Uh, right, that, that, that's not that's not what it was here, right? Sorry. So therefore, and Rav Yaakov should have exp- right, and if it was just because there's an obligation to redeem your wife above value again, Rav Yaakov should have said this. 
okay. All right. So final line, it says, Begam ein lomer mishum sheoso isha from Ezra ya isha shir mefursam, gemosh mevar veholeichsham. Right? And it's not because he's rich. That's not why he didn't mention it. Right? He didn't mention it because it's not true. Okay, so Ramli Blin thinks he has a precedent. Right? As opposed to the, right, the marshal who claimed that nobody ever failed to, right, failed to redeem people above their values. So Ramli Blin doesn't have a case where he failed to redeem somebody, but he has a case where somebody claimed he didn't ha- right, that, he, that he didn't have an obligation to pay, and the answer, had nothing, the answer failed to mention that he had an obligation to pay above market value. Okay, so you can find that convincing or not. Okay, so now we get to um, now now we get to to our line. Okay, he says um, so if you want to claim this because he was really rich, Zeno, right? We're about we're about uh, halfway down the page now, right? Um, right. So the first the first red line is Zeno, right? Mishum the pirish pidech deme leman the pasuk of Shimon Gamliel the ein pod nafilu ishtu el bichtei demeha, Eino rotzel amar lafi ashro shel bal. When we say Yosef Bichtei Demehem, it's talking about the objective worth of the hostage and not the subjective value of the hostage to the right to right to the potential to the potential redeemer. Okay. Um, sorry. And so what Gedei means? So he thinks that that Yotir Mikdei Demav really just means the market price as a slave. It doesn't mean the market price for captives. And it certainly doesn't mean what a person could reason what what this person could reasonably be expected to pay for this captive. Okay? That's right. So that's the that's the second big great move of the of the Marshall. He thinks that the definition of right that the definition of um of of um Mihte de Mayhem is constant. You never have to pay more than people are right. So if you live in a market where slave labor is cheap, then you don't have to pay. You have to pay almost nothing for for captives, even if they're at risk of death, because you never have to pay more than they'd be worth on the slave market. Just, yeah, expressed in that way, um, maybe it's read too much behavioral economics. Yeah, it just it, it seems an easy. Pr- issue to get around if you want to get around it. Yeah. So you can say, fine, there's an active slave market in town and healthy male 35-year-old slaves go for 100 bucks. Yeah. And But they've kidnapped you know, my, my brother and they want 500 bucks and he's a healthy male 35-year-old. Yeah. So the response is, well, okay, that's above market price and you're not obligated to pay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a, but I mean, just a simple assumption that the market price that that the uh, the object for sale here is a Jewish is a, is a thirty five year old healthy man, rather than the object for sale being uh, a Jewish person held for ransom. It's a different market. Yeah. So he thinks that's the whole point, right? He's arguing the whole point is to remove the Jewish identity of the right of that's to assess their market value. Yeah, um, but it's a fiction because you don't want Jews to be worth more. So, but you know, you're saying that in a way. So, 
so maybe you could even argue the Jewish guy wouldn't even couldn't even be put up for sale in this market. It just doesn't apply to him. Right. You could say that. Right. And he'll say we don't. So that, we don't know what happens if there's no market value. So we'll get to that in a moment. Right. Let's say it's a two hundred of a very old. What if slavery is illegal? Right. What if slavery is illegal? What if slavery is illegal? Everywhere. Black market, you mean, or? So the, there's no, no what is, what is, there's no market. There's no, there's no, what is no market, right? What if, right, what if we live in an enlightened world, right, or or a world, right, with, of computers, where there's just not, right, there's just no market for slaves, or slaves are cheap, right? Because, right, because they're pouring off across the border. Right. <laughs> I mean, you could say this with uh, the souls of Hamas is taken. Like, wait, what, what, what's, what's a fair market? Value? So there is no right. So that, that's right, a great question. No is, is it? Uh, the, bar- the fair market value was established with Gilad Shalit. So that, we'll have to get there, right? I'm right. I'm just in his trivia, right? He's now he's still in the scene, so there is still right. There is still a right a slave market in the world, mm-hmm. but um, but it's you know, but it's it's not the um, what I would say is like, you know that in Roman captivity, right? The risk was that if you didn't redeem the captives, they would be sold into slavery. Right, that was a standard case of captivity, right? So now the question is, that's not the risk anymore here, right? It's not a right, you know, that it might be like in some states, right? You know, where the, they're private prisons, right? So we, we can say the risk of not redeeming somebody from the United States system is that they'll be put to work, you know, at, you know, making license plates, uh, right? You know, at two cents an hour or well, right? While wearing pink underwear, whatever it may be, right? Depending which, which, sheriff, which, sheriff, which sheriff you're in charge of, right? You're in the charge of, uh, but, um, but generally, right, that's not the risk that we're saving you from. The risk we're saving you from is is that your captives will be unpleasant to you, or they'll kill you. Right? So you could say it's a different case. He refuses to acknowledge that anything has changed in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's 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 move down to now, right? To where he says it's the first word in line is the Afal Gav. Okay, it says Even though in our play, in our market. There is no, there is right. There's, there is no habit of selling people as slaves, as opposed to Turkey, right? With, right. But here, right here, there's a kid in prison by the government. They're not going to sell him into slavery, right? There's no market for slaves. Mm-hmm. As we haven't found in any of the chronim any revelation that the halacha should change, misama. So we, we sell at the value that he would bring in, right, in Turkey. Right, there's still a market somewhere in the world. As if he was being caught by the Barbary pirates, whatever it may be, who are planning to sell him into slavery. Right, the, world, right, the fact that right, everything is contextual. Right, that's really right. So that's his conclusion. At the end of the day, right, we still use slave we still use slave markets. Now, the Marshal would answer the reason that nobody's ever told you that it's different is because we don't do this at all. <laughs> we redeem people at whatever value it is. So nobody having to figure out what the value of Kadeshima Kerbashuk is, because nobody ever thought that the way we negotiate for slaves, for captives, is to figure out what they're worth in a slave market. Right? So you have two two completely non-intersecting realities. And Marshall says these laws have been vacated for years. Nobody cares about them. We always redeem captives, whatever. And Ramla Blin says, I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> nobody ever right nobody ever said we do that and i have this from yakov oil right who did right who, who didn't make this argument so how you deal with this now you know in each of that right the marshal is the marshal as i said is you know is, is impossible to explain as a matter of prior policy which he sort of concedes the maramali blin overlooks the tosfus that's about as explicit as you can get then he's going to go back and claim that case by the way with a thousand zuvim maybe that was market value Come on, <laughs> a thousand zoom is not market value, right? In any in any universe, right? A thousand zoom is, a thousand zoom is. I have a rich guy. I have captured a rich guy's wife. I'm going to soak him everything he's worth, right? And his, and his grandchild, right? There's no there's no way on earth there's no way on earth to do it. But this is right. This is the the field that we're facing, right? As we end the as we end the the 16th century, right? We have a claim by the marsh, right? And these are both in Poland. Both in the late 16th, early 17th century, right? You know, 50 years apart, maybe. All right, because we don't, we don't, we don't have, we don't have either of them dated. One person claims that it's right that we have always that we we take uh, now. We could say one difference. Marshall says we have always done this to redeem captives from Turkey. Ramli Blin says, I, right, that's Zucca. We're redeeming captives from somewhere else. But here you're talking about somebody captured by our government, right? There's no tradition of paying blackmail to our government. There you could have quoted the Marami Ruttenberg. It's much more dangerous to pay, right, to, right, to put yourself in the, right, because the outsiders, you can always stop. And what more can they do to you? If you stop paying the, right, if you stop paying the pirates, so, right, eventually they'll stop capturing you. A few people, a few of your people will die. But they don't feel they have a right to do this to you. They don't have absolute power over you. So if you stop paying the outside pirates, right? So Marshall's, if you were to set up a policy which says both of these were true, right? Marshall is right that when people are captured outside the, juris- the political jurisdiction we are found in and outside the political jurisdiction that any Jews are found in organically, right? Then we don't pay, we, right? Then we overpay because, all right, that's, we're generous, right? We, can, right? we can't afford to lose people, all is great. But when our government Right, um, right. Resorts to false imprisonments, and then we're all vulnerable. There's nothing you can do to protect yourself. Right, they'll arrest everybody. So, right. So, on a on a halakhic source level, the Marshal and Ram Little Blin are wholly right are are, whole, are wholly non intersecting in their picture, pictures of reality, and neither of them accounts for the evidence at all. On a policy level, that's a perfectly reasonable outcome. Now, if we were then to apply it, we'd say, "Oh, but you know, what, what an interesting situation, right? You know, like, you know, where, right? Where, where? Uh, what happens if you're dealing with outsiders who come to your territory to capture you? So they don't have the absolute power, but they have the capacity to threaten everyone, right? Right. So it would still end up that the modern state of Israel is in a situation, right, which uh, which could not be resolved." By appealing to either by appealing to either precedent, because it's a situation which right we didn't have a sovereign country, uh, right? So we don't right so we don't know. But now we have a sovereign country, and you have people who come to your country, uh, and you right, and you're afraid right you now you can't say well you know we leave, if you just leave them be so they'll get a few more people right who take who take the risks that we've decided it doesn't, it doesn't pay for them to take a risk right the whole right. But on the other hand, they don't have the absolute power to, power to do things to you because otherwise you couldn't defend yourself. You can't defend yourself. Right, so that's where we are now. End of the 16th century. Uh, introduced, right, introducing the next stage of, of, of Ravadia. Uh, we don't have a... 
the only coherent, I would argue, the only coherent account of halacha we have is one that nobody has said. Uh, it's my chiddush in the context of this year. <laughs> um, and even if it's right, it doesn't solve the, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it just creates a different framework for thinking about what the actual Shiloh was in the context of Entebbe. And not, uh, it's not dispositive. And then, of course, we'll have to think about at the end what the movement is from Entebbe to, um, right, to the majority. And of course, we're only in Ravadi Yosef right now. And, um, right, we'll see that, uh, that other postkim, Rosh Weiss and Rafenkin, I think are the, the easiest ones to talk about, you know, have completely different approaches that um, don't even really understand what Ravadi is doing. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh,